The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Friends, near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. With this Sunday, our liturgical year begins again as we enter Advent, a season of preparation, prayer, and penitence. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your decisions about ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. Next Sunday, we shall publicly receive new chapter members of Marsh Chapel. Those interested may contact Rachel Cape, Director of Hospitality. Today we hear of the precursor, John the Baptist, splashing in the murky depths of the waters of trouble. Facing the unforeseen future, we are called, challenged to live with graceful vigilance. In that spirit, we light our first Advent candle this morning. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Together may we pray. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. People of faith, God the Lord will speak. He will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. We pause for a moment of confession. Recently here in a lecture, one phrase stood out. It was redolent with contrition. It was cloaked in lament. The speaker regretted a morally irresponsible agenda of indiscriminate respect. As the Spaniards say, hay que matizar, hay que matizar. One must distinguish, hay que matizar. Beloved, let us pause together and lift our silent prayers of confession as the choir sings for us our traditional Kyrie. will speak. He will speak peace to his people. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, 
Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 85 responsively with the antiphon. favorable to your land, you restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquities of your people. You pardoned all of their sin. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and would make the path for his steps. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Glory to you, O Lord. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. You cannot come to Christmas unless you cross the River Jordan. Between you and the 12 days of grace in the Feast of Christmas, there runs an icy river, four weeks of Advent, the journey in preparation. You cannot get across alone or without cost or without preparation, or without getting wet, 
And the beginning is like all other beginnings, uncertain, difficult, scary, hard. In these weeks, there is set aside a time of preparation. The voices of our precursors in faith cry out in our wilderness experience. In today's reading, three distinct voices resound. The voice of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of John the Baptist, and the voice of St. Mark, the author of the earliest gospel and its beginning. The voices come out of the great distant past, cloaked in antiquity, hooded in mystery, shrouded in the misty past, covered by the winds and dust of time. What a privilege we share. What a privilege and a joy to hear and to interpret the Holy Scripture. We love, we savor our scripture. More precious than bread is the word that heals us, that carries us out of trouble. At Thanksgiving dinner this past week, I am told at one table, the grace to be given was the 100th Psalm. He who was to pray reached for his blackberry to call it up and read it. But the device failed. The machine went dead. A long, embarrassing silence followed until at the long end of the table, two octogenarians, precursors, who had learned the psalm in the third grade recited it in duet. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into God's presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Our scripture is holy, is the word of God, because week by week we read and listen here for the divine word. Where else would you possibly want to be come Sunday than in earshot of the word? We stand on the shoulders of the ancients, stretching back two and three thousand years, for whom also these words were holy. They outlast us, these words of holy writ. They uplift us. They reshape us. They return us to our rightful minds. The authority of scripture lies in a very pragmatic garden of practice. We do this every week, all the 4,000 Sundays of our lives. Scripture acquires authority out of its long-time traditional use. Scripture exudes authority as the mind, our gift of reason, explores the caverns and caves, the stalactites and stalagmites, 
the dark recesses of venerable words. Scripture pierces the heart with authority in our own hearing, our own recitation, our own living, our own experience. Tradition, reason, and scripture, tradition, reason, and experience crown Holy Scripture with authority. So listen, beloved, in love, to the voices of your precursors. The year is 540 BCE. In the dark days of exile, the second prophet Isaiah recalled for his people the nature of faith. How difficult it is to be away from home, to be alone, to be cut off from the people and places that mean most to you. All travelers know this, as do all human pilgrims. Your life, musician, chorister, organist, greeter, usher, nave right, nave left, balcony, radio congregation, all. Your life is a journey, a spiritual journey wrought in meaning, fraught with meaning, fought for meaning, taught by meaning. The preparation for good news may even begin in the dark lost hurt of exile. Isaiah could hear the early singing of the bird song of hope long before any of his contemporaries. That's why we love him so. The people of Israel, through a series of tragic decisions guided by a series of misguided leaders, found themselves enslaved to a foreign king. They had become a debtor nation. Our story of the Prince of Peace is born out of a strife-torn experience. Our confidence in the God of hope is born out of a record of nearly hopeless moments in the community of faith. The song needs a singer. How blessed is the one who can sing in a time when for most the songs just won't come. This is our vocation, your vocation as a church, that of all the prophets and preparers to give singing lessons. What makes hope possible in a time of exile? What makes hope possible in the wasteland of the desert? Hope comes from a mixture of memory and imagination and vision. Hope, like its first cousin, faith, comes out of trouble. Over 35 years of ministry, when the question has arisen, whence your faith? The answer invariably runs something like this. Well, a long time ago, I was in a deep kind of trouble, and here is what happened. Faith, like its cousin Hope, is real faith when it's about all you have left. This is what a song does for us. It frees us to hope for what is not yet seen. A song like Isaiah 40, well sung, frees us from the tyranny of the present, the oppression of the right now, the slavery of the moment, the confines of the 21st century. We get free to dream of another time or two. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ may involve a newfound capacity to hope, to hope against hope, to hope for, for yet what cannot be seen, to hope and to hope 
and to hope. Isaiah overheard and foretold another voice, another prospect. He sensed what was not yet visible. He sang a song in the night. Who hopes anyway for what he sees? So he cried out. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The year is 27 CE. It takes a peculiar spiritual strength to find the grace to step aside. John the Baptist created a commotion with his call to confession of sin. He called and the people came. They had a common mind, at least to the point of acknowledging their need. Like Isaiah, he was, he is, one of our most venerable precursors. John came out of a particular tradition, the tradition of the prophets. His role and work were not alien to the long history before him. So when he went out in rough clothing into a harsh desert to speak unpleasant but true words of judgment and warning, he did so out of a common understanding that prophets just might come along every now and then. And they might call the city of Jerusalem to repent every now and then. And they might direct the people of Israel out to the river every now and then. And they might point to God every now and then. John spoke directly to his people. He challenged his generation to look hard at the way they lived and with a plumb line like Amos to measure themselves according to the law of God. What one has no sin to confess? What one has no fault to regret? What one has no desire to be made clean, to start over? What one would not, given the chance, wash in the Jordan and start over right now? In his long life of waiting in the dark water of culture and faith, Christopher Lash of our time carried a Jordan River song, he wrote. There is only one cure for the malady that afflicts our culture, and that is to speak the truth about it. Once we can bring ourselves to do that, it will be time to worry about constructive solutions for our young, discussions which, so long as they are absurdly premature, serve only to distract our attention from the truth about ourselves. The Baptist reminds us of the distance between our dreams and our deeds. His voice, here Professor Lash, the voice of the prophetic precursor lives still. But the lasting word of the Baptist is not about his own work at all. Like the church to this day, finally, John the Baptist exists to point to another, the thong of whose sandals none is worthy to loosen. For all his accomplishment at the pinnacle of human endeavor, right religion, John finds at the right time the grace to step aside. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ may involve a willingness at the right time to step aside, 
For you, one day, the gospel may evoke a willingness to step aside. John felt a nudge, the grace to step aside, and so he cried out, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. The year is 70 CE. With others, Mark could have found a more pleasant way to begin his gospel. He might with Matthew have offered a long list of names of great saints and sinners past and then told a story about wise men from the East. Or he might with Luke have started with thrilling birth stories, retelling the birth of the Baptist and of Jesus to Elizabeth and Mary, and then recounted the advent of the Son of God among humble shepherds in a humble inn, in a humble town, on a humble night. The Gospel of John begins with the beginning of time and Jesus rounding the unformed cosmos as the divine word, the Logos. As plain as the nose on your face, though, Mark starts simple and bare. No frills, no varnish, no makeup, no extras. Like Paul, Mark says nothing about the birth of Jesus or young man Jesus or the family of Jesus. He begins with the River Jordan and John, a man dressed in camel's hair. To get to Christmas, we have to cross the Jordan. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ may well involve just such a cold and foreboding start, a beginning that in, it, in that way is like all beginnings, from the infant cry at birth to the coughing susurration at death and every new venture in between, these beginnings, a little quiet, a little cold, a little wind, a little wild honey. And hovering somewhere nearby, the divine possibility of a divine possibility. So Mark writes, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Together, let us begin the journey today with Isaiah in a time of exile, we will face down the loneliness we feel and we will explore a newfound capacity for hope. In a period of discouragement, we will accept the courage and the capacity to wait, to wait without idols, to wait for the living and true God whose messenger will come in the fullness of God's time. With John the Baptist in a period of anxiety, an age of anxiety, when our own service has been rendered and our own work is done, we will look for that saving willingness at the right time, in the right way, to step aside, the grace to step aside and make way for another capital A. With John Mark in an age of persecution and dislocation, 
when change in work or health arrive, in faith we will face the harsh difficulty of a cold beginning. We will rely on precursors, those who came before, and the new, the icy cold of the River Jordan. We will name our precursors, honor them, remember them, Isaiah, John, Mark. We will remember them at a dinner table, in the comfort of a family conversation, in the discussion and dialogue of real national debate, and especially in divine worship as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed. What a privilege. Precursors. You have heard their voices, precursors, here. In continuity with those of Isaiah, the Baptist, and the Evangelist, from this very pulpit over 60 years, hear sentences that echo, hear the echoes of voices of precursors, predecessors, here in the pulpit of Marsh Chapel. Franklin Littell. Just as the child is aware of the mother before it is self-aware, just as it is commonly says mama before it says I, so the awareness of God and his work in history is primordially known to the person of faith. But the world of techne, in its aversion to the mysterious and the open, has sealed off that dimension of human experience. From the elementary school, the young person is taught to think in the symmetry of the closed, the traditional mathematical model. And by the time he has finished with the university, he may be a skilled technician, but he is rarely a wise man. The voice of the journey resounds in the writing of Howard Thurman, the great former dean of Marsh Chapel. Ah, a beautiful and significant phrase, he wrote. Island of peace within one's own soul. Well within the island is the temple where God dwells, not the God of the creed, of the church, or of the family, but the God of one's own heart. Into his presence one comes with all of one's problems and faces his scrutiny. Our third dean, Robert Hamill, said much the same. To anyone who is seriously seeking, he wrote, for this ultimate truth, it will come to him, often unannounced, sometimes unnoticed. It may come through some reading in scripture or elsewhere, or some glimpse of beauty, or some encounter with a friend, or with an enemy, or by some shattering engagement with yourself, with failure, or guilt, or joy. It may happen to you especially in some act of obedience when you seek not so much to obey the commandments which bind, but to obey him who liberates. In this spirit, our fourth, Robert Thornburg, wrote recently about prayer. I think this is the kind of situation our master had in mind when he said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, 
Could I believe that prayer changes things and that the Almighty God might move in all of us to change things by the power of incredible love and profound hope? If our faith in all the religions of the world has any hope of helping the mess our world finds itself in, then we had all better pray without ceasing and include the widest possible circle of both friends and those who probably think of themselves as our enemies. Dean Five, Robert Neville, do you sense an emerging pattern of Roberts here? He wrote, for us religious people, the most frightening dimension of terrorism is its idolatry. If our speculations about the motives of the terrorists are right, a political cause has been cloaked in ultimacy that belongs to God alone. Any political cause, just or unjust, or any ambiguous mixture of the two that is associated with divinity is idolatry. Precursors. 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 The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now we come to a time of prayer in our service. I invite you to a posture of prayer that will best allow you to support the prayers of the community. Remain seated, stand, kneel, or come to the communion rail. And now let us join in singing our call to prayer, Lead Me Lord. Today we pray an Advent prayer from New Zealand. Creator God, we praise you for your love in coming to us, unworthy though we are. 
Give us grace to accept the Christ who comes in your name and the courage to be Christ for others. We praise and thank you, Creator God, for you have not left us alone. You, each year you come to us, Emmanuel, God with us in a manger. Each time you come to us in the broken bread and the cup we share, in time or out of time, you will be revealed and we shall see you face to face. Give us courage, God our strength, to see your Christ in all who suffer, to be hands to the helpless, food for the hungry, and rescue for the oppressed. And now let us join in the prayer that Christ taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
The Lord be with you and also with you. Good morning. On behalf of the staff of Marsh Chapel, we are delighted that you are worshiping with us this morning, whether in person, online, or on the radio. We would like to get to know all of you better. So if you're sitting in the nave this morning, you can help us to do that by signing in on the red pads at the center of the aisle and passing them along to your neighbors so that we and they can greet you by name. If you're listening over the radio or the pat to the podcast, we invite your virtual sign-in so that we can help you get connected with the Marsh Chapel community. Our email address is chapel at bu.edu. On our website, bu.edu chapel, you can find the full calendar of upcoming events and services. I would like to draw your attention briefly to two. First is the Marsh Chapel Blue Christmas service next Sunday, December 4th at 3 p.m right here in the sanctuary. The service is a safe place and time to acknowledge that even in the midst of the holidays, life's challenges go on. We still mourn our dead or grieve the loss of aspects of our health, of our work, or of a relationship. We can still feel isolated in our challenges or in the dark and the cold. So we invite you to join us for this service, and uh, the service of song, scripture, prayer, candlelight, reflection, and hope, and knowing that we are not alone. Second, please note Common Ground Communion, a new 15-minute outdoor communion service held outside on Marsh Plaza every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. We always pray for sun and warmth, but we will be there every Thursday come rain, snow, or shine, and all are welcome to join us. On our website, of course, you will find the opportunity for online giving. Now let us walk in love as Christ loves us in offering and sacrifice to God.
Heavenly Father, we come to you today still with a spirit of thanksgiving. It is at times like this we are most aware of haves and have-nots. Bless these gifts, a fraction of what we have, that it might further your kingdom, bring joy to those who feel they have nothing to be thankful for, and hope to those who see no hope in the coming season. Through your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed, the fever of life is over, and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, a happy lodging, and peace at the last. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 